Welcome to the Asking Why podcast. I'm your host, Clint Davis. I'm a marriage and family therapist and licensed professional counselor trained in trauma and addiction. The Asking Why podcast is for anyone on a journey of healing and restoration. If you are searching for answers to life's questions and want to learn more about root causes from a psychological and theological mix, this show is for you. In this podcast, myself and a co-host from Clint Davis Counseling and Integrative Wellness will interview guests on a wide range of topics in order to get down to the heart of the problems facing our world and understand why things happen and how to change the world and ourselves for the better. Want to learn more tips and tricks to living a healthy lifestyle? Visit us at Clint Davis Counseling and Integrative Wellness on Facebook and Instagram. If you want to meet our staff or book a speaker, go to clintdaviscounseling.com. Thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe today. All right, welcome back. Uh, it's been a couple of weeks since we've done a podcast, so I've been off a little bit and we had a cancellation because of COVID. So we're back with episode 41 of the Asking Why podcast with Clint Davis. And we have today uh, Andy and Natalie, and I'm glad to have you guys here. We're going to talk a little bit about the Enneagram. Um, that's been kind of a popular personality type that's come up in the last, I mean, it's been around for a long time. You can tell me more about it, but um, there's Myers-Briggs, there's spiritual giftings, there's all these kind of things. And so we found that the Enneagram has been helpful um, to give people kind of a view of their personality and marriage and conflict and work. And, um, and yeah, it's not the end all be all. We don't want to present it as if it's uh, you know, something that's 100% true for everybody and you have to live by it. And that John Chris does a really funny skit on it. If you haven't seen it, um, it's, it's hilarious, but anyway, you can go and watch that somewhere else. So, uh, tell us who you are. I know Andy's been on the podcast before. If you haven't listened to him, he is a ex firefighter and you should go listen to his podcast. I think it's like episode three. Um, but it's amazing. So Andy, introduce yourself and then we'll go with Natalie afterwards since Andy's already been on here and kind of done the thing. We'll let him warm up. Yeah. So, uh, I'm Andy Bond. I've been working here for about 15 months and I'm a pastoral counselor and, I not too long ago completed my pastoral sexual addiction training. So, um, yeah, that's really about it, man. I know um, you keep adding letters. Yeah, no, it's nice, man. I know. Got in, certified Enneagram coach. Yeah. That's right. That's kind of what led us into me talking to you about having this podcast. I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah, so you recently went through the training to be certified so you could use that tool in mm-hmm. your practice. And Yes, yeah, because I was introduced to it um, when I first started working here by Natalie. She made a comment one day about the Enneagram, and I was like, what are they talking about? And I heard y'all mention it in staff meeting, and then man, once I started to learn about it, I was like, man, this there's something to this. Yeah. So, so what's your number? I'm an eight, wing nine. Okay. Yeah. And we'll talk about what that means in a little bit. Absolutely. Minute. All right. So married kids? Yep. I'm married. Uh, my wife, Michelle, and I have been married 14 years. Uh, she is a two wing one. Okay. Uh, so I got some uh, wonderful stories to tell about that. And I have three kids. My 13 year old boy is a seven. Uh, my 12 year old, I'm st- still kind of up in the air. I think uh, Avery's her name. I believe she is a one. And then the seven year old, while still young, there's no doubt in my mind she's an eight. <laughs> She is, uh, you don't have to wonder what she's thinking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And people will figure that, those numbers out. So those will make sense and we'll come back to them. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Natalie. Okay. So I'm the same thing, I guess. Uh-huh. Licensed pastoral counselor here. Um, I started off as your assistant. That's right. So I just kind of heard about the program through Andy and Uriah. And now, then I was like, I want to do that. So then I did it. Um, 
And I've been doing that since last December. Mm-hmm. So. so licensed pastoral counselor. Yes. Yep. And then you're getting your master's right now. Yes. Yeah. Mental health counseling. And where are you doing that? LSUS. Right. So Natalie, yeah, Natalie was a lifesaver for me. She, um, I needed a personal assistant or somebody to help me keep my life together. And I am a two. Did you say what you were? Mm-mm. Oh, what are you? I'm a one wing nine. Okay. And uh, I'm a two wing three. And so I'm not a very one detail oriented person. <laughs> and Andy will tell some stories about that, I'm sure. Uh, and so I was just like, the business was growing and I was praying about somebody coming and Natalie came in and as a one, which will make sense later, she was fantastic. And then, you know, I just really respected you and thought you've been an amazing person. And so as you've been trying to work on your counseling stuff and wanting to do this, I was like, what a better transition to get to know somebody as a you know, personal assistant and really that helped me with my stuff and, and knew a lot about the practice and what was going on to transition into being a counselor. And so now, yeah, you're yeah. rocking and rolling and seeing clients and yep, working on your masters and teens mostly. Yeah. Natalie recently did a group um, on technology and social media and, and people have loved that and continuing to do that. So yep, got one going now for body image and self-confidence. Yeah, that's right. So hopefully we're going to branch that out with uh, Ashley and Rachel, our dietitians and do some body image work and, uh, mm-hmm eating disorders and stuff like that so glad to have you natalie yep and shout out to natalie in the group uh avery my 12 year old daughter was actually in her group and loved it and it helped her tremendously that's awesome because i can't really identify with being a 12 year old girl (laughs) as much as you know one of my colleagues who is a female that's right um married kids tell us about that married three years in next march Uh what's daniel he is a, I think he's a one wing two. He's not into personality tests. So, <laughs> what's that making when you're not into it? Yeah, boy, well, a boy. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> so yeah, he's a he's a one wing two or two wing one. We'll we'll go with that. Okay. He's never taken the test, but I would definitely stick him there. Okay. So yeah. Awesome. That's how that's going. You want to tell us kind of why you became a counselor or what? What led you to doing this work? I really don't know. I feel like I've always just been drawn to the realm of counseling, Mm -hmm. realm of psychology. Um, Did you know you wanted to do this when you were when I when you came on as personal assistant? Yeah. So I graduated from tech with a sociology degree in hopes of doing an MSW, but then I got the personal assistant job started being here and I liked this I guess side of it more Uh and so then I was like I think I'm gonna do a counseling master's instead of social work awesome so I think I've just always been drawn to it nothing necessarily was like you got to do this yeah I mean you got the personality for it so um okay so what is the Enneagram who wants to start on that like tell us what it is and I feel like you can describe it more sure it's it's a personality test. Yeah. Like, and the, the simplest way to say it is, it is a way to pinpoint your personality. Um, and there are nine types. And within each type, there are three subtypes. So it maxes out at 27. Uh, no more, no less. And as we kind of go through each number, as we get to that point, we'll kind of talk about each one and maybe some subtypes and uh, other things. But... Uh, I find it to be a very useful tool, um, and I keep that in mind. You know, it's not uh, always 
it doesn't define who we are because if if me as an eight if i just stop there and i put myself in a box and i'm only an eight i might as well not know anything about the enneagram because that's not the point mm. Mm. so and it's a it's wonderful for relationships i use it with a lot of my couples um even whenever they don't specifically ask about the enneagram the more i sit with them the more uh I become aware of what type they are. Mm -hmm. They don't have to take a test for me to sit with them for a few sessions and you can pretty much pinpoint what type mm -hmm. they are. Yeah. I think people would think oh, that's super judgmental. And so what, what I want to remind people is that especially as counselors or Christians are doing the Enneagram, it's judgment means we're weighing your value and worth based on the number. Right. Mm -hmm. But this is more about understanding who you are, how healthy you are, and what your history and your past is brought into the present and what you're what we're dealing with it's not a value laden test it's not like oh you're an eight so you're better or worse right. than this person or yeah. you're a three so you're better or worse than this person and i think that's where people's pushback sometimes is like what do you mean you knew who i was when you're around me mm -hmm. and it's like well i wasn't saying you were less or more i was saying you fit in this category sure you know and then as we get to know each other that'll make more or less sense depending on how healthy or unhealthy you are yeah and that's a good point because I've had couples do maybe some research or have some uh, limited knowledge of the Enneagram and they look and find out, well, our numbers aren't compatible, you know, a one and a yeah. seven or a three and a six and all nine numbers, none of which are better than another. They're just nine different lenses on the world. Um, when they're unhealthy, they're going to be difficult to be in healthy relationships with Yeah, uh, unhealthy any number is not going to be able to be, um, they're not going to be as good of a partner or a friend as someone who has, is working on their health. So yeah. the le levels of health makes a huge difference no matter what number you are. Yeah. Natalie, what do you think? What's the Enneagram to you? I mean, how's it been helpful? Or what do you, what do you see it as other than what Andy said? Yeah. I mean, for me, it's just been something to honestly tell me, the worst parts of myself mm -hmm. to where I, and then I would look back on my life and be like, oh, dang, <laughs> that really is true for me. And so then I was able to, I guess, recognize the patterns that I had whenever I was not doing well. Mm -hmm. So as a one, I go to a four in unhealth. So I would always have these patterns of like melancholy, depression, just kind of like, very unlike my one self yeah um whenever i wasn't doing well and mm. so realizing that and then just yeah i guess just the patterns of it over the course of my life and how i can grow from that yeah that's so, good more of a growth tool i guess mm -hmm. what are some maybe fears or i mean i've heard some of them you know, like I read some blog about how Enneagram was like anti-Christian and, you yeah. know, this whole long thing about how, where it comes from and all these things. And um, so what would you say to like the myths and fears or, or what are some things maybe you've heard? or? Yeah, seen? I think for me, uh, people are one scared of it because of how accurate it can be. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it kind of pokes at some of those insecurities and areas that we need to improve on. Uh, but with the you know the enneagram in church sometimes it can be kind of uh taboo you know some people are really against it because they think it puts you in a box and i don't believe that to be the case but 
It's what do you a, think those those same people are probably against mental health in general and therapy and oh i'm sure yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i do think most people's fear is that they are going to be put in a box i feel like that's what everyone says whenever i'm like you should do the enneagram they're like well, i don't want to be put in a box right like you're not being put in a box you, you get like you have all these different numbers and it really breaks down it's not saying that you have to be this certain type of person it's just a tool of Mm -hmm. I think people get really freaked out, though, whenever they're like, I have to be this one thing. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people obviously have a lot of family systems trauma. I mean, mm -hmm. the reason they need the Enneagram is the same reason they want to avoid it, right? It's like yeah. you, you you don't want to feel controlled or judged or there's be presuppositions about you and then that be used against you. Mm -hmm. And I think like every tool right. in life, people can use those tools poorly or they can use them in an appropriate way. And most people just haven't experienced uh, tools being used in a helpful way. Even the church. It's like, well, we're going to do this personality test and then we're going to find out where you fit. Or we're going to do these spiritual giftings mm -hmm. right. and then we're going to tell you where you fit. And, and, you know, unhealthy people have done that very poorly. And so people's are a little gun shy to, mm -hmm. you know, being told what they are. I think the other problem with it is, like you said, Andy, it's not about identity, though. Our identity is in Christ, right? And, and, yeah. and who he is and who he says we are. This is just helping us to see how our family and how our biology and how our makeup and our giftings have shaped us to kind of fit more this than others and then go, don't stay there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And as I was kind of looking at that painting behind you, I was just out of the my peripheral vision. I thought it was a map for a second. But that reminded me that um, Dr. Tom LeHue, uh, y'all, I'll refer to him several times on the podcast because he was uh, my teacher in my Enneagram certification course is that, you know, when you're going on a trip and no one uses maps anymore, everyone's got smartphones, but <laughs> for illustration purposes, you have a starting point. You always like where you're starting from is the equivalent to your number. Mm -hmm. I, I start my day as an eight. Now, depending on where I go, that was my starting point, but it, it's not going to keep me from anything. The point is to grow from it. My goal is an eight, and we'll talk about that in a little bit, or any Enneagram type, is to get as far away from that type as possible and embrace the other eight types mm. for, a, for a better understanding of my relationships. And um, people, there's a book, I cannot remember the author, but he actually, um, it's called The Enneagram Goes to Church, and I'm about halfway through it now. Um, and man, it's really good stuff because... What he talks about, because uh, I think uh, one of the prep questions was, you know, can Christians use it? Mm -hmm. And I mean, absolutely, I think we can. We shouldn't depend on it, but it's a good tool. But he talks about all truth being God's truth. So if someone is an atheist or from another religion, if they say something and it's true, does it make it any less true because it didn't come from a Christian? Mm -hmm. No. If it's true, it's true. So whether someone is a follower of Jesus or not, if you look at the Enneagram, because um, there's plenty of non-Christians who use it, uh, and I think it can still be helpful for them as well. But it's something just to be mindful of, that the truth of my behaviors as an eight, I had those behaviors before I surrendered my life to Jesus. Now, I tell people now who mistake me for a nine or a two that I'm an eight with Jesus because he has helped me in my growth more than anybody. Uh, so, yeah, that's the church can definitely be funny about it, but I think it's a wonderful tool. 
Yeah. You got anything, Natalie? Any fears or reactions that people have? The only other thing I can think of is that I've heard a lot of people say that um, the Enneagram is the Christian... What are those things called? Mandala? No. <laughs> Based off of your birthday? Horoscope. Oh, horoscope, yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. They say it's like the Christian horoscope because um, people just get so into it and you know, I start to identify with it and they'll say like, oh, well, I'm a one, so that's why I do this. And, Mm -hmm. you know, just like someone would be like, oh, she's a Gemini. So, yeah, so people... Is that what you are? A Gemini? Yeah. No, I think I'm a Cancer. Oh, okay. Yeah, but... um, So I think people will say that it's like a Christian horoscope. Yeah, that makes sense. That's what the John Chris, like, skit is. He's like, well, I'm a three, and so I just don't do that. And he's like, get out of here, you know? Like, that's not how it works. Right, right. So, which is obviously not true. Right. Well, yeah, I get it. And like I said, people use tools the wrong way all the time. And then we throw the tool out. It's like, well, maybe you shouldn't, you know, try to eat ice cream with a shovel. It might not yeah. work. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, let's see. Can Christians use it? I guess we talked about that. Uh, what are some examples of how it helps? And, you know, what have y'all seen in your... In your work, Natalie, we'll start with you. Would it, how have yeah. you seen it help in counseling and in your life? And you said earlier, and I would say the same thing, knowing what I wing to in unhealth helps me to go, oh, I'm totally being an eight, you know, I'm being really direct. Or, right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the biggest thing which Andy has said is relationships is a huge thing that can benefit from just utilizing the Enneagram, marriages, friends. I've definitely learn more about my friends and how to talk to them how you know because sometimes people and this is just a I guess healthy person thing also but sometimes you'll say something to someone and then they respond like offended almost Mm -hmm. and then you don't understand why but you know sometimes knowing their enneagram or knowing their wound their childhood wound or their wings or whatever it is can help you to respond to them differently, ask for things differently in a way that you might not have before. Mm, um, it can also, if you're close enough with the person, <laughs> um, help you to maybe guide them if they're not doing so well. You know, like a gentle, hey, I've noticed you're kind of doing some of these traits that you tend to do whenever you're unhealthy. You know, do you want to talk about it? Um, that's just been something in the office and in real life that the Enneagrams helped me with as far as just relationships, marriage, all of that. Awesome. And then the awareness, like I said earlier, of just yourself and if you're being healthy or not. Yeah, I think once we get the, in a minute, I want to hear from you, but I think once we get what the numbers are, I think then we can give Mm -hmm. even more details. So how do you think, same way? Absolutely, Uh, especially with couples who come in with communication issues. Yes. Uh, if you have a one or a seven, and I know we're going to get to the numbers, those uh, can be difficult couples to work with. Um, and people understand why as we kind of go through them and if they you know, take notes or listen to it, it'll help them understand. But get in to see that you know, Michelle, my wife, who's a two, my world is um, tainted by my eight lenses but if I can understand where she's coming from as a two, it gives me the ability to be like, okay, she's not just this. This is 
her personality. Mm-hmm. And it's not about, again, I, I'll probably say it many times about not being in, put in a box, but man, understanding our own type is the most important because that's how I interact with the world. So as an eight, I can be very direct and really just rude sometimes. And that's not my intent, but knowing that about myself, it's helped me understand, okay, maybe I need to dial it back down a little bit mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to just being a yeah, 100 all the time. Good. So, but it's wonderful, especially in parenting. You know, I want to hit on that in a little bit, how important yeah. it is uh, to maybe take it, to take advantage of the tools that we have because it's helped me understand my son so much better knowing what type he is. And he didn't have to take a test. His behavior has told me he's a seven. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. It reminds me of the love languages, you know, like people don't give as much pushback about that, about being controlling or put in a box, but man, it's spot on. You know, if you're talking about personal, uh, you know, uh, physical touch, you know, words of affirmation, quality time, um, acts of service. And what's the other one? Uh, Gifts. Gifts, yeah. See, that's not mine, so I don't think about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that's the same way, right? You you tend to love people in the way that you want to be loved. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times when you don't understand, you don't have insight in what Scripture would call wisdom, mm-hmm. then you and you don't know yourself, then, yeah, you're just, you assume and project on everybody that the reason they're doing what they're doing is, is how you do it mm-hmm. or, you know, what you would want. And so then you just treat everybody in this narcissistic way and then you're surprised when they don't like it. Right. Yep. You know, where they, you keep buying them stuff and you're like, what? I showed you, I loved you. I bought you these things. And they're like, I don't care about this at all. Yep. <laughs> like you haven't touched me in six weeks or, you know, whatever the thing is. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's interesting as we're talking about it, like people don't give that much pushback to the, the five love languages though, as much as they do to this. And they're kind of the same thing. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's why, maybe that's because people have used the Enneagram more inappropriately than they have maybe the five love languages. Yeah. Yes. And using it to type people or, uh, is something you should never do. Right. Like saying, well, you're this and that's, that's a bad thing. Right. Cause that's identifying you as the number. Right. Yep. Yeah. It's good. Which I also think people may have just gotten annoyed by it. I know. Oh yeah. Personally. Cause I'm a young adult. It hit the young adult world. <laughs> by like, storm. Yeah. By storm. Everyone was talking about it for years. Yeah. It has slowed down recently, but it was like all everybody wanted to talk about mm-hmm. in church. And so well, I think that's what's annoying. small groups and like oh, yeah. podcasts and books and like there's all this stuff going on. And um, I think people just got like so over it. They, they just didn't want to use it. Oh, yeah. To me, that probably has a lot to do with not knowing where to go once you know your number. Because if we just sit around as a two, a one, and an eight, what good is that going to do us? Because then it's like, what, what, what is the tool? How do we use this thing? Mm-hmm. How do we use it for growth? And the majority of people that I talk with or encounter, um, they stop at their number, and that's all they focus on, and they wonder, why am I not getting any better? Yeah. Well, it's because I'm you aware have to now. put in the work, uh, just right. like, like therapy. Because uh, learning about your Enneagram type, uh, if you're someone who is – against counseling or haven't been to a place in your life where you realize, Hey, I need to go talk to somebody. The Enneagram type can kind of give you a, a little bit of counseling in and of itself. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Natalie, I think you're spot on where I know there was a season where I was like, I don't even want to learn about this because it's so annoying hearing about it. And and that's with everything. It, right. I think a lot of Christian 
Christians who are you know following Christ and following the way and who are really sold out for Jesus, yeah, it's like, well, you don't even read your Bible, but you're going to like read four books on the Enneagram. Right. Right. So that's where I think the problem becomes. Mm-hmm. I would love to know, you know, if people are solid in their identity in Christ and in the word and in that truth, right. Just like everything, the Enneagram can be, um, can be a supportive role to that. Yeah. If that's the foundation, Absolutely. but anything is going to be a problem if you're not, if you're a Christian anyway, and you're not foundationally right. you know, centering yourself on Jesus. Yeah, if you know your spiritual gifts, but you don't use them for Jesus, what good are they to you? Mm-hmm. Then you're using them for selfish gain, and then that defeats the whole purpose of them being your spiritual gifts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's and good. I think we'll get to this later. But one of the parts of the enneagram, I guess, that kind of even had me like had a bad taste in my mouth about the enneagram is that a lot of people, kind of like what you're saying, they will learn about themselves, and then they would just stop there. But then also they would blame their bad, bad habits or like unhealthy traits on the Enneagram and be like, Mm -hmm. well, I'm just an eight. So like, I just do that. Yeah. And then they wouldn't, they would just stop. They would not try to grow from it. They would blame the Enneagram Mm -hmm. because of what they were doing. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. It's my least favorite comment from anybody is when like, well, that's just how I am. Yeah. It's like, Oh my goodness. So you're, that's why my least favorite phrase is it is what it is. Mm -hmm. I can't stand when people say that because it's like, no, nothing is stuck. Right. It is what it is. Just a cop out to, you know, I can't do anything about it. It was destined to happen, you know. And it's like, no, you know, like it, everything isn't just what it is. Mm-hmm. It happened for a reason. There are thing, and there are things that can change, and and we have hope in things being different. So yeah, people are like, well, I'm just an eight, and so I'm going to be a jerk, you know. Like that's that's how I was born, you know. It, it just <laughs> no obviously offense, like Andy. yeah, no offense, yeah. Andy. No, uh, I was a jerk for a long time. <laughs> no, but I mean, or you know. Um, but that, again, that we'll get into that in a second, but it's like, it's no judgment of those people. I was those people, mm-hmm. all of us in our unhealth don't want to change and are like, right. you know, I guess I'm just going to be a person who it leaves my, you know, trash in the back of my truck for six weeks. Yes. We'll talk oh. about that in a minute. But you know, in the past I've been really unhealthy in, in my wings and I look back on that. And at the time I would have been like, well, that's just my personality. I'm not gonna be able to do anything about that. Right. And as you mature and grow, you realize like, well, maybe, uh, uh, like it's, have you ever heard of the strengths finder? Mm-hmm. So it's the same thing. I, I love the idea that, um, you know, you, there are going to be some things you're never going to be excellent at. Mm-hmm. Right. So find the things you can be excellent at and be excellent at it. Do the best you can to bring the other things up. But if you spend all your time trying to be excellent at something that's not your gifting, no matter what, you're not going to, not going to thrive in that area. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean you go, well, then I'm just going to stink it up in this area. You know, you want to do the best you can. Yeah. That makes sense? It does. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my is what it is, is when people say, if they can't accept me for who I am, then I don't want anything to do with them. Mm-hmm. You know, especially with couples. You know, well, th- she knew this when she married me. You know, she knew what she was getting into. And I'm <laughs> like, well, maybe, you know, we, we are always changing. Maybe you're not as awesome as you think you are, you know, because <laughs> we all have room for growth. Every yeah. single human. Or maybe when you get married, you, you know that, but you don't know how that's going to play out in a thousand different ways for 20 years. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Especially mm-hmm. once kids start coming. Oh, you know? yeah. 
that's where some conflict comes from. Yeah, it's the same thing with parents when they say, uh, we have these three kids and we parented them all the same and they just turned out so differently. And you're like, no, you didn't. Right. <laughs> There's no way you did. You have that mm-hmm. second kid, you're like, you're fine. Yep. You know, like you parent totally different because you're a different person. You mm-hmm. grow and you change and you evolve and, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, for the better or the worse. Yes. You know, so, yeah, yeah, I get that. It's funny. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so let's talk about the numbers. You want to take like the first, how do y'all, I don't know how you want to do it, but you take the first half, Natalie. Sure. Do they split? They don't split evenly, do they? Yeah, one through five. Let's give yeah. you, let's give you five. Okay, I'll do, I'll do nine through four. Okay. Go backwards. It's going to really tweak us up. Oh, one through five. Okay. I'll do one through five. Right. So one, well, the, so the names have changed over the course of some years. So if I say a name that you don't identify with it is still <laughs> it's still your name i don't know so you're fine you're about, I'm about to learn a lot yeah so one is the perfectionist gotcha. previously yeah. now it's the reformer mm-hmm. it's more i like that name more the reformer yeah so i'm a one very um black and white people right like wrong right no logical no in between Stress stresses me out to think about gray areas kind of thing. Um, very task-oriented, detail-oriented. I'll, like, point things out in rooms and be like, that is not even. And other people will be like, I would have never noticed that. <laughs> so just very, you know, details, tasks, black and white. Um, perfectionist. Mm-hmm. Kind of your picture, perfect perfectionist. And they sometimes get confused with threes in a strange way just because they have sort of the same like outer shell i guess Mm -hmm. threes aren't as like black and white but they're still like very go-getter detail task-oriented people so yeah i was talking with somebody uh my friend tyler the other day and he and because we were talking about details and we had a bunch of people working on something i was like we're gonna have to pull a detail-oriented person into this and he's like no i'm i'm super detail-oriented and I was like, oh, okay. I didn't, you know, I didn't know enough about it yeah. to know that a three was. Yeah, they you know, are. But it made sense. So, um, and then also they're always trying to be better, I guess. Um, like, like in growth? Yeah. Okay. In a way of like you always feel like there's more I could be doing. Mm-hmm. Like you're never good enough. That makes sense. Which I feel like we all feel that way. Um, but I guess it's I don't different. know. Do ones feel that way? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Ones are the ones who are always like, I didn't do enough. Oh, okay. With the ones, um, you know, talking about wanting to be better, unhealthy ones have a tendency to want to be right. (laughs) That's what I was thinking. It's not about being better. (laughs) It's about being right. And I made some notes um, because ones, I think, like I said earlier, all numbers when they're extremely unhealthy can be difficult to, to be around. Uh, but like the the basic fear, uh, they have a fear of being bad, corrupt, uh, right. or defective. Yeah. Uh, and then the childhood message. You know, I really when I first started listening to the Enneagram and starting to research and understand it, um, I didn't put too much stock in the childhood message. I love the childhood. Some message. of them are like spot on, and the childhood yeah. message for one is it's not okay to make mistakes. Mm. It reminds me of uh, when we do the trauma egg. I don't know mm-hmm. if you have you done that yeah. with CSAT stuff. Yeah. Or you can do it in general, but you know, you do your family motto, you know, and that, that probably hits yeah. probably pretty true. Yeah. And then, um, very, uh, critical of themselves 
and others. Um, and like Natalie was saying, the black and white thinking and uh, a friend of mine, we had dinner a while back and he's a one and we were talking and he said that he had been listening to a podcast and uh, he heard about a one that he said, as a one, I don't look for mistakes. Mistakes assault me. <laughs> And it made so much sense. Yeah. Like the ones in my life, like they can walk into a room and notice everything that's wrong when they're unhealthy mm -hmm. and not the things that are right in the room. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is something so interesting because once I found out about the Enneagram, growing up my whole life, I was always judgmental. Mm -hmm. I don't know why I used air quotes. I was judgmental. <laughs> um, I was super judgmental and I never knew like, why every time I met someone, I just t -t 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 ridicule, like mm -hmm. found Made out. List. Yes, everything that they, even whenever I had like teachers in school and a piece of their hair would be messed up, the whole class period, I'd be like, I need to fix that piece of hair. Right. <laughs> I would just <laughs> always be so judgy and critical and I had no idea why I was that way. And then whenever I found out about the Enneagram, I was like, I've been a one my whole life. This yeah. is crazy. Uh -huh. So, yeah. And then making that, uh, having that mindset that being good equals being loved. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's something with as far as, I feel like we all have that one thing for Christians that you struggle with. Um, and I think the grace is like the hardest thing for a one to like, understand because you're saved by grace not by what you do mm -hmm. and so we're like what <laughs> like no i want to earn this <laughs> no i'm gonna do all the right things i'm gonna check all the boxes and that's when i'm gonna go to heaven and i'm gonna be saved <laughs> um so i think the grace piece if you want to like wrap it into being a christian also is like the hardest thing for a one mm -hmm. so. and there's a lot of anger and resentment in ones they have yeah. a difficult time letting it go yeah uh you know they they're stamp collectors you know, they are going to keep a record of everything that you've done wrong. Um, and then the healthier they get, the more they realize I do wrong too. I'm yeah. not perfect. <laughs> Which, and then me and my husband are both ones. And so, mm -hmm. you know, our, that's our, awesome. Isn't JC a one? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. JC's a one wing two. Yeah. Much I'll like do the dishwasher and then he'll like redo the dishwasher. Yeah. And I'm like. He redid the dishwasher. You're like, that's not the right way to do <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, there's a lot of right done. ways to do that in my life. Uh, yeah. It's gotten better yeah. in 12 years of marriage. But, yeah, I've learned that um, if it if it doesn't matter, you know, then it's not. If it makes her feel safe and secure and comfortable, then, like, the dishwasher. That, that was our biggest, not our biggest, but one of our fights in the beginning of marriage was, I'm like, listen, I, I put the effort into doing the dishwasher because I love you and I care about you. And she's like, it doesn't matter if it's not right. <laughs> if you don't put the forks, the big forks with the big forks, the small forks with the small forks, and the spoons with the spoons, and you don't put them in, like, what goes in your mouth side down, it's wrong. Yeah. Like, the point of the dishwasher is to get the dishes clean. Yeah. It doesn't matter how they go into the dishwasher. <laughs> oh, it does, do a, it does do a one. Yeah. Because yeah. my wife, she has, uh, and we're fixing to go into twos, but she's a heavy wing one. Oh, yeah. So, like, when she's putting the drinks in the refrigerator, the Coke Zeros go with the Coke Zeros, the Red right. Gatorades with the Red Gatorades, Dasani with Dasani. Uh, and so, just to mess with her, sometimes I'll just go just scramble it all up, <laughs> and then she'll fix it. Yeah. Mm -mm. Yeah. <laughs> such an eight thing to do it is yeah, you're it? wrong for that <laughs> yes yeah. she's she's gotten a lot better because uh her being a two 
she her counselor is a one uh and that helped her so much um as far as going to see a counselor who uh was her dominant wing but helped her see it from a you know a different perspective a healthier perspective yeah, yeah. cool so all right two so the two is the helper mm-hmm. um you're a two yep so twos and I, I wing love, I wing three. Yeah. Wing three. I don't have very much one in me, I need that. Yeah. Yeah. We're gonna so work on that. Yeah. Their attention goes to the wants and needs of others. Mm-hmm. Um and they're just those like servant people that you just kind of see. I feel like everybody wants to be a two if they're a Christian because <laughs> mm-hmm. like yeah. Well, I wanna be like up at five AM doing the coffee for the church. It's like your grandma or something, like always mm-hmm. helping serving but that's good right but then i'm sure you can attest to like you do it so much then it's like why am i doing this anymore mm-hmm. am i even doing it for the right reasons like there's a whole other side to it yeah definitely you want to read some of the course i'll talk to that in a second but yeah i uh, like the basic fear of a two is being unworthy um of being loved being unworthy of being loved mm-hmm. um childhood message it's not okay to have your own needs mm. basic desire is to be loved um and the deterioration is the the, the feeling that they have to be needed mm-hmm. yeah i mean I, I definitely have transitioned through that too i mean i've been in therapy for 20 years and so yeah i'm like you natalie i always looking back on it i'm like i've always been a two Part of that's my family system and coming from divorce and being the oldest and feeling like, but the other way is like, that's how I got loved, you know, is I took care of people. I made sure people weren't arguing. I made sure people weren't fighting. And then that people were like, oh, you're really good at this. And then that became in high school. It was the same thing. And people would come to me with advice and I'm like, I'm not even dating anybody, but I'm giving people advice because it made me feel needed, Mm -hmm. you know, made me feel wanted. And then military, same thing. People were coming to me, but that was really exhausting. And then I wasn't doing it because I wanted to do it. I was doing it because I felt like I had to and out of obligation. And I was more concerned about them feeling loved and supported than I was about myself. And then that gets super unhealthy. And I think boundaries is a big two. And I mean, pretty much everybody has boundary issues. But the crazy thing about like going from a one to a two, ones have like very rigid boundaries. Mm -hmm. They're like, I'm not doing this. I'm in bed by 7 p.m. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, you're very structured. And then a two is like... Has more diffuse boundaries. Yeah. Diffuse, yeah, boundaries. And so it's just... It's so interesting that you can be a one-wing two or a two-wing one mm-hmm. when some things are so opposite. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, if you know someone who's a two or as you listen to this, you're like, oh, I think my mom or my sister or my sister-in-law may be a two, like... One of the worst your things, boss. You, yeah, or my boss. Uh, one of the things, you know, or one of the worst things you can do to a two is like, if you go to their house and they like offer you something, you know, is to say no thanks, you know, <laughs> because when we have people over to the house, like if it were up to Michelle, she would like chew the cookies for them and then spit oh them in the mouth like a mama bird, you know. And our friends who come over, are like I'm good. Yeah. You know, like when Ross and Jen come over and Michelle's like, let me do this for you. You know, she's like wanting to wipe people's butts. And like, it's like, will you just leave she us alone? She does wipe Ross's butt. And- she would. Oh of my course. God. Like, if, if, really if he was that. like, Michelle, I need you. <laughs> She'd just go in there, you know, no glove or nothing. But like, she has this desire to serve. Uh, and it has taken its toll on her, especially uh-huh. like 
with uh, serving in the church and where we go now at River Park, like our pastors are very good about like they make you take a break. Like you don't have the option to serve every Sunday. Yeah. Because your twos are the ones that they will do anything. If you go look at the <laughs> sign up list for any event anywhere, the top few people are going to probably be twos yep. because other numbers aren't really. Uh, ready to sign up for something you know you're not gonna catch many fives on there mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah so. no. what, what I realized the last especially I mean two years and doing the equine therapy is you know I, I realized I have no clue how to ask for what I need mm-hmm. you know and and being yeah. you know y'all's boss and working with this big system I realized like I'm gonna have to learn how to do that pretty quickly because mm-hmm. this thing doesn't run if it's not running healthy from the top and um and so doing that work and being like, okay, it's okay for me to say, Andy, I need you to do this video or Hey, Natalie, I need you to turn this in on time. But like, if you feel bad about that, then I would, I would spiral because I'm like, I have to say this in a way that you're going to feel right. good about it. And mm-hmm. I'm going to ask for what I need. And you can't do that. Right. And so, I mean, I remember trying to resolve conflict in high school and, and, you know, and with parents and different things, I'm like, okay, I need to write this letter so they feel love as loved and amazing as I believe they are. But I also need to say you've hurt me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, it, you know, the conflict there has been intense. And so, yeah, getting to a place where you're like, no, I'm going to be my authentic self. I'm going to ask for what I need. And then I'm going to stop there and let you meet that need or not. Mm-hmm. And then we'll reevaluate that. Yeah. And you don't have to feel good about it. Sure. That's okay. You know? Yeah. And Natalie brought up boundaries, you know, all of us, no matter what type you are, what subtype you are, like we all need healthy boundaries. Mm-hmm. But twos, when I'm working with them uh, in sessions, is I will get them to, you know, lightheartedly say, all right, say the word no. And I'll be like, no. And I'm like, okay, say it 10 more times. No, 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 no. I was like, okay, so you do have the ability to say it. You just choose not to. Mm-hmm. Because twos will overcommit. Right. Um, they, will, they will neglect themselves to me more than any other number to be able to take care of others until they crash. It's because they don't want to say no. They want to be a part of just about everything. Oh yeah. Every Uh, time anybody invited me to anything, I'm like, absolutely there. Knowing I wasn't going Mm -hmm. and that caused so many, so much anxiety because then no matter what you feel like a disappointment. Yeah. Uh, And now, I mean, I love it. I'm like, nah, we're not gonna be able to do that. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a, that's a Sunday or a Saturday morning or whatever. Like, absolutely not. I was as an eight. I love telling people no. (laughs) Like I enjoy it. You need, to, I, you need to say yes, Maureen. Yes, I need my yeah. counselor to be like, say yes, say it 10 times. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's funny. All right, three. So three is the achiever, performer. Mm-hmm. Um, these are like social climbers. Right. Like want to be mm-hmm. on the top. Their focus is to gain approval, successful. Um, and they don't really, sometimes if they're unhealthy, they don't really care what it takes to do that. Mm-hmm. So they will um, break rules, which is where the ones and the threes split because ones don't break rules. Threes will break rules, um, manipulate to get to the top. And that's only unhealthy threes. So if mm-hmm. you're a three, don't be yeah. <laughs> um, You can, you know, get to the top without yeah. doing those things. If but, you're a three and you're super offended by listening to this, you might need to do some work. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. If anybody's listening to this and their number comes up and they're like, Oh my God, that's not me. Then maybe you should like stop and like check on yeah. yourself. Cause uh, yes. you're that easily offended by talking about it. We might have some things to work right. on. My brother is a three and um, they're very much chameleons as well. Like what you'll see them walk into a room and they will instantly mesh with someone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're going to find somebody to blend in with connect with immediately um 
Yeah, I feel that. I mean, I'm a two wing three, so that that all fits. Yeah, you know, it's like I want to do the practice. I want it to go. I want it to be successful. I want in, in a healthy way. It can be about you. Yeah. Yes. Um, and I've found that threes are very charming. Like they're the people that almost attract everybody's attention. Yeah. Like everybody is watching them. They want to be their friend. Like they're very charming people. And so yeah, I can get messed up, twisted up real my, quick. Hopefully, my yes. brother's not getting a big head by me saying That's that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but they are. They're like the people that you want to be friends with. They're um, mm-hmm. very successful, want approval, all of that stuff. What does mean? Task you, you oriented. Love your brother, right? Yeah, I love my brother. He's great. <laughs> yeah, and like the basic fear of a three is being worthless mm-hmm. or without inherent value. Uh, the childhood message: it's not okay to have your own feelings and identity. Uh, the basic desire is to be valuable and the deterioration is chasing after success. Uh, and the message for them to hear is you are loved for yourself. Uh, cause threes, when they're unhealthy, you know, they care so much about what other people think, mm-hmm. which is where wings will come into play later because the four wing would say, why do you care what they think? We're all right, just the way we are. There, mm. something's messed up with them, not you. <laughs> I yeah. love a four. That's Absolutely. what a four is thinking. Shout but, out to Uriah. Yo, yeah, I love Uriah. He's probably my favorite four. Um, but threes care about what they drive. You know, mm-hmm. they they want to be seen as successful. Uh, they care about what they wear. Uh, most of your threes are going to be in some designer clothes, and um, because they find their identity in those types of things, mm. um, love and approval are rewards for achievements and success. I made that note, you know, is the, the more I do, the more they're going to love me. Mm-hmm. Um, Feel that. Yeah. So that, yeah. Three. It's rough being a two, three and see like people like think you want to, you know, they want to be the two and be super nice and be servant and they want to have the big picture ideas and all that kind of stuff. But it comes at a great cost when you're unhealthy until you get healthy. I mean, because yep. if you think about both those core messages, mm-hmm. it's all about you not feeling loved and, and worthy. Right. So yeah. it's like, if you're not doing that in a healthy way, you know, you're you're serving everybody else from emptiness yes and speaking of emptiness that uh <laughs> dr tom uh you're gonna talk about my truck oh no we're gonna talk about that when we get to wings okay um but dr tom was talking about uh threes when unhealthy are like the easter bunnies on um easter that like the big ones to where mm-hmm. they're smiling on the outside but you can like break it and it's hollow on the inside yeah like they're not fulfilled because all they care about is their outside appearance. Yes. So uh, unhealthy threes, uh, again, like every number unhealthy can be challenging, but they are a force to be reckoned with. They really are. One of my best friends, we've been friends since second grade, I think, and she's a three. And it almost like breaks my heart for her because she gets so stuck. She's way healthier now. But our whole lives, she would be so stuck in this appearance-based, like, issue. Mm -hmm. And um, she would be so sad on the inside and broken and insecure. But on the outside, she was, she's so happy, perfect girl, you know, cheerleader, you know, everything that you would want to be. So, Yeah. yeah, threes are complex yeah i think i think with threes you see and i don't know if this is true but um you know you have the celebrity who's out there everywhere and then suicide happens and you're like how you know they were Mm -hmm. always smiling they were always the joke and life of the party and it's like a lot of times that you know that real unhealthy 
yeah. external shell looks good, but nobody's really spent any time with them intimately to know that yeah, there's stuff going on. Or they're not letting people in. Well, absolutely, yeah, because yeah, they don't want to feel unworthy or unloved. Right. Or, sure. And so. before we get too far down the list, I just now thought about this as we're going through because here we have represented Natalie as a one. You're a two. Uh, as far as staff goes, because people have the option to go back and watch podcasts yeah. and see how uh, the clinicians interact in the, that topic, uh, Kelsey is our three yeah. uh, here on staff. And uh, we don't get hired by that, by the way. Like Clint doesn't say, you know, what's your Enneagram number? Right. But I am thinking it. I found it hard <laughs> to believe that she was a three because she is probably one of the, the healthiest threes that I've ever known. Yeah. But I'm also comparing her to the unhealthy threes that have caused me trauma in my yeah, life. We'll give her right. some credit, but not. Yes. No, for sure. I mean, I, I do love that about our staff is, you know, one, that's one of the things that, you know, I really try to push us all to be healthy, take breaks, know ourselves, mm-hmm. have insight, you know, be authentic in the room, you know, not try to be something you're not. And yeah. uh, I think we have an amazing staff with that. So, yeah. 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 Kelsey is a good, uh, amazing three. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Yeah, and then and we've got four. Fours, yeah. So, anybody, is anybody else a three? I mean, I wing three really hard, but I think Tyler's a three. Shock, shock. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I think he's a one. Okay. Yeah, I think he's a one. I feel like we have a lot of ones, twos, threes. Yeah, we got a few. Eights. I remember in the group and then message the other ones are... when someone had alphabetized the uh, documents we send out. Like Tyler specifically thank them in the group message thank you for whoever did oh, yeah. that it was killing me oh yeah we did a staff well, i went over to russ and we did like a little staff retreat and i had everything like in order and uh and i checked things off as we went and mm-hmm. i was like i did this for you buddy and yeah. i can do it now because i you know have worked on my yeah oneness and i think uh we got tammy she's a two meredith is a two um hannah is a two as well that's uh, uh, linda's a two yep Yep. So we just got a bunch of servants around here, mm-hmm. uh, and you can tell because they uh, they they struggle with the boundaries, you know, uh, of, of what. <laughs> they're like they, I'm fine. Their legs like f- laying on the floor, the yeah. blood yeah. pouring out. They're like, no, this is good. Can yeah. I help you with anything? Yeah. yeah. And then uh, Lanita's a one. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, she's so fun to do joint sessions with because she is. I love Lanita. She's on it. Yeah, she's healthy too. Yes. Yeah, it's really nice to know the numbers and see our therapist and know they're really healthy. Mm-hmm. And to see it in a really good way, you know, yeah. you're seeing the optimal, mm-hmm. not that any of us are perfect, but you know, we are held to the standard to be, like you said, Natalie, like if any, like I said, staff any Monday, if we're, if you see anybody getting unhealthy or out of line, like lovingly, we should be talking about that and discipling one another and holding that accountable and going, Hey, I love you. This, that's not who you are. This is yeah. not your mm-hmm. most congruent self. So let's work on that. And yeah. vice versa, right with y'all, if y'all see me getting, I tell y'all that all the time. You see me doing something stupid or posting something that's not consistent or doing too much, call me out mm-hmm. lovingly. Sure. Yeah. Tell me I'm loved and worthy though. Yeah. <laughs> so next we have fours. Fours mm-hmm. are the individualist. Um, yes. Do they have a new name yet? No. I don't think they do. That's what I know them as. The name. unicorns. Of yeah, yeah. Oh Lord, yeah. So. Um, they think they're so special. Yeah. Why don't you talk about fours? They are special. You, you're really good friends with Uriah, so. Yes, can, yeah, I have. Um, uh, several good friends that are fours and uh, you know Uriah he's one of our uh, therapists and he works in the Bozier office but just they kind of they do their own thing they march mm-hmm. to the beat of their own drum very unique when I first started working here uh, there was a walking path around back uh, oh, you know with, that you remember drove that? me crazy <laughs> with the stones <laughs> and like everyone would take the walking path 
and then there was a path that had been worn down like a dog on a run yeah. that you could just see the dead grass. In the grass next to those stones. Yeah. And they were like Uriah's exact shoe prints. Yes. <laughs> because he just did his own thing. So true. And wasn't worried about it. You know, Uriah, you know, going in and uh, leaving the toilet seat up. Oh, man. He's, he's not thinking about like, okay, there's five dudes and 20 women. Let's yeah. put this seat. He's just, he's in his own world, like not doing it. <laughs> For Ma- he's with great. Malice. He's great. There's no, yes. yeah. Uh, he's the uh, he's the healthiest four that I know. Yeah. Uh, but just most of your fours are artists, um, mm-hmm. musicians. Uh, you know, a lot of your eyes paintings are floating around the office and very uh, kind of melancholy mm-hmm. and uh, just they're wonderful, man. Fours have taught me so much. Uh, my sister-in-law's a four. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've learned so much from her. I mean, she's just carefree and. Uh, you know, she's like, who cares what they think? Like, right. just do you. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of her, her motto on life. And um, Which, again, I don't know why we're talking about fours from such a healthy perspective, but I mean, <laughs> they can be super tragic, too. I mean, yeah, you know, I was you know not say. thinking about other people, not paying attention to how other people feel about you walking through the grass and leaving ruts and then having to resod the grass. Yeah. You know, like those things, not that that's what happened here, but, right. you know, those are things that happen when you're not paying attention. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're only worried about yourself, when you're only focused on what feels comfortable right. to you, mm-hmm. um, you know, that can really mess some things up because that's not really an authentic boundary. Mm-hmm. You know, a real relationship takes both parties into account. Yes. You know, and so you go, what's best for me, but what's also best for you? And let's figure that out in the middle. Mm-hmm. Where a four would be just like, I, don't, I ain't even worried about what's best for you. I didn't even thought that you were even right. around here. Right, which like, is, that's what I was going to say from my, I guess, an unhealthy perspective of four. Um, they can be very exclusive. And they're sometimes hard to be friends with because they're so, you know, you go to coffee with them. They talk all about like what's going on um and i've realized that they're very protective of their lives like they want everything to be almost aesthetically pleasing mm-hmm. they want to be you know this painter who wears all black and like where listens to music and they're very protective of that world yeah. that they've There's created yeah. yes so they create these worlds around them and then that's what keeps them safe. That's a good, that's a great, Natalie. Yeah. And so yeah, this if week. <laughs> you like are going to interfere with their world, they're like, you don't go with my vibe. So right. you're going to have to go with right. yourself. Like one of my, and they wouldn't tell you that. They just move away. Yeah. They would just disappear yeah. completely. <laughs> like one of my favorite things in staff meeting is when Uri literally gets up and makes a cup of coffee in the middle of staff meeting. In the middle of it. Because oh, yeah. he's like, I want a cup of coffee. And like, <laughs> He just gets up and makes him a cup of coffee. The cure is like... Right. You know? Also, on Uriah, one time he said, Never I don't heard. really know about any any other, other Enneagram number. I just know about my four. Yeah. And I was like, that was a very four thing for you to say, yeah. sir. Oh, yeah. It's so funny. It's all, it's all said with love, Uriah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Well, because he is healthy. And, and those things, because we're in relationship with him and we have intimacy with him, we... Like, what does it, and, and truthfully, what does it matter that he gets up and get co- gets coffee? Like, right. I didn't even right. realize that he does that. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. it doesn't bother me one bit, probably because I'm a two, and I'm like, oh, if that makes you happy, go do it. <laughs> sure. Uh, but honestly, I just don't pay attention to things like that. So mm-hmm. it, it, thinking about it this way for people who are listening, it's like, why are you bent up about that thing? Like, why can't they be different? Mm-hmm. Now, if it's problematic, if they really are causing a problem and they're really not worried about you, then and that's in the relationship, then that's a conversation to be had. Like, mm-hmm. if it really bothered me, then I would want to say authentically, hey, man, 
can you get that before staff meeting or can you get it after or if yeah. it was like mm-hmm. disturbing or whatever um but yeah i mean i think that's where it comes in of going you got to know yourself mm-hmm. so you know how you're interacting with other people instead of just typing them and being like well he gets up and that's really like a one would probably see that as super rude right i was yeah. gonna say i think fours are the people that i have the hardest time with yeah because well i think it's mostly because i go to that number in unhealth mm-hmm. and so oh, it's they projection are of your unhealth yes yeah. like almost triggering to me yeah. like and i get like very freaked out by um even though i act like that sometimes and whenever i'm not being healthy yeah. so and, but even as an eight like i don't like injustice so my the unhealthy eight would be like well, we all got to sit here. What if I want a cup of coffee? I can't get up and get a cup of coffee. Like, you know, and then I'm sitting Although there. Yes, right? Uh, so, yeah, it's... it's That's so funny. so awesome to just think about. But also, so to your eyes credit, uh, and all the other fours out there, you know, like, if it's, you know, like, he's the same one that, like, the first few staff meetings, like, just comes strolling in 10 minutes late and just sits down. Yeah. Doesn't say nothing. You know, and then I said something to him about it, and the next day, he hadn't been late since. And we mm-hmm. were joking about that this weekend. You know, he's a healthy person, so when you yes. it's broad attention, like, hey, you're putting, you're not putting the soil seat down. Hey, you're doing this. It's like, oh, okay, well, I'll fix it. Yep. Yeah. I'll start paying attention to you. Mm-hmm. It wasn't personal. It was just, this is my personality, and I'm in la-la land, and I'm yep. thinking about whatever art thing I want to do tonight for 45 minutes, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, oh, gosh, it's painful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, think, uh, I think Jenna's a four as well. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So. That makes sense. Yeah. How much when we got like we got another 35 minutes perfect we're only on four we got a ways to go yeah that's yeah. all right well we yeah. still got to talk about wings triads we yeah, yeah. Gotta speed it up yeah so sure. okay so fives observers yeah. investigators um they i feel like i don't know a lot of fives because they're very recluse mm-hmm. <laughs> they're not very social people um so they they like they like to jive out on their own time sure. um they are they are usually trying to protect their own energy because they don't have much social energy. And what was their name? Investigator or oh, that's right, yeah. um, observer. Yeah. So what are their basic fears? Basic fear of being useless, incapable, or incompetent. Childhood message, it's not okay to be too comfortable in the world. The basic desire is to be competent. Mm-hmm. Uh, message you need to hear is you are not a problem. Uh, you know, fives, one of the things that I, cause as an eight, when I'm under stress, uh, or in an unhealthy or, uh, I go to a five mm-hmm. fives need to withdraw so that they can recharge. You know, they're like a cell phone, like they're only going to give you so much before they literally need to detach and go be alone mm-hmm. and, um, recharge. Uh, they, you know, if a five is going to buy a lawnmower, they're going to watch, you know, an hour's worth of right. YouTube reviews on what lawnmower is the best. That's funny. Yeah, Investigate, because, figure yeah, it out. Yeah. You know. To them, knowledge is power. Right. Um, do ones do that a little bit too, though? I think so. Because JC is the because, queen of researching something before we buy it. I'm like, yeah. bro, it's, it's the same thing. There was yeah. a season where I thought I was a five because I do the same thing. But that's another thing which I guess we can point out now is – you can look like other numbers sometimes yeah. and mm-hmm. it's the it's motivation a... behind why you're doing yeah, that. So, yeah. um, for a one, I might do the right thing because I have this like extreme moral compass and I cannot help myself. Whereas a three is going to do the right thing because they want to be on top mm-hmm. or a five might do the right thing because they investigated it. So mm-hmm. I think that's another 
I guess, thing that I like about the Enneagram, because it makes it so specific, is that you can look like mm-hmm. other numbers, but it's like, why did you do that, though? Yeah. yeah, that's really good. The biggest compliment that I have been paid is I had one of my colleagues uh, think that I was a two, because as an eight, when I'm at my healthiest, um, I go to a two. Mm-hmm. So that's a compliment to me. Um, so uh, I like that. But yeah, fives, um, fives, they, you have to prove yourself to fives. Mm-hmm. You know, they are the ones that want to walk in and see credentials on the wall. Not, not all of them, but most of them. You know, they, they want to know that you're qualified, that you have the knowledge to be able to help them. You know, they want practical application on what they can do. Not unlike a one. You know, if you, if you, if you need me to do this, just tell me what you need done and I'm going to get it done. Like, and, and I actually, I'm actually going to tell you how you, it could be done better. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. So yeah, fives, they're a, they're a treat. Yeah. I, I like some, some of the fives that have come into my life. Uh, I've learned a lot from, you know, <clears> cause <throat> as an eight, someone who shoots from the hip and, and says things before I actually think about them. Of the five that I go to in stress is telling me, Andy, you need more information here. Mm-hmm. Like before that comes out of your mouth, you need to research and make sure you have all the facts. And I don't like that because mm-hmm. I just want to say what I got to say. And you know, if you don't like it, tough. I mean, we, kick, old Andy, kick BC Andy. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. BC. That's so let me. Uh, so I think we're gonna go. We've got six, seven, eight, nine left. So six. That's the loyalist. Um, their basic fear is uh, being without support or guidance. Uh, childhood message is it's not okay to trust yourself. The basic desire is to be secure. And the message you need to hear is you are safe. Uh, sixes can also be, um, they're, they're unique because they are typically ruled, ruled by fear. You know, they are chicken little, the skies fall in. Um, Another way that I've heard it is sixes, unhealthy sixes are four bad decisions away from homelessness at any given minute. Mm. You know, that if he, our dude's laughing over there because he's a six, uh, <laughs> you know, because it's like, okay, well, if the kids go outside and they get a splinter and then the splinter gets infected and I don't clean it out, then the next thing you know, they're amputating their leg. Right. You know, it's right. like, no, no, they're not. We can take the splinter out. Like, it's okay. Yeah. Uh, so they can. We're laughing at uh, Chip off, off the camera who's helping us with technology because he's yeah. a six yeah he's i got him right in my line of sight he's over <laughs> right. chuckling because and he's... ones and sixes are similar as well but um they say that a six has like a community of voices in their heads mm. mm-hmm. so it's like <laughs> so it's like um anything that they go to do this one is saying well this could happen the second one's saying well what about this the third one's saying what about this mm-hmm. you know there's just this community of voices that's like what if what if what if what if, what if? yeah yeah always so yeah sixes um right which in a healthy way are is amazing because they're able yeah. to think about things that most of us would totally not even think about right. and sure. we're off in the you know the hole right yeah. Yeah. especially like as we kind of transition into sevens um, sevens are the enthusiast. Mm-hmm. Um, sevens are, it's my less dominant wing, uh, which we'll get to here in just a second. But seven, three of my best friends are seven, and I feel like God did it. Um, as a joke. Yes, as a joke. <laughs> That's his, his magnifying glass to me is the sevens in my life. Because they, as my less dominant wing, tend to give me the best advice. You know, sevens are like Peter Pan. You know, they are always wondering what's next. You know, they, um, 
their basic fears of being deprived or trapped mm-hmm. in pain. The yeah, their they child, really don't like to be. They do no. not like to be set still. Yeah, or no. uncomfortable, or not having fun. Mm-mm. Right. No, well, it's that fun, is the fun, fun. Worst thing you can do. Yeah. Uh, it's not okay to depend on anyone for anything. Is their childhood message? The basic desires to be happy, uh, and the message <laughs> you need to hear, you will be taken care of. Yeah. Because uh, my son, he's 13 and he's a seven, and the Enneagram has helped me so much because. I used to think that he was just ungrateful <clears throat> at times, but the the way that I tell it is that if I don't know if y'all know these the candy stores where you go in and you pick out the candy you want and you like weigh it and mm-hmm. you know however many pounds it is or you know well <laughs> only the bonds are getting pounds of candy That's most right. people are getting ounces <laughs> but the the weight matters <laughs> so if I tell my son you know Drew hey you can get ten pieces of candy any candy you want. He's like, yes, sir, awesome. Well, as we're at the checkout and they're doing it and I'm paying for it, he can seem ungrateful and sad because he's he's not thinking about the 10 that he has. He's thinking about the thousand pieces he doesn't have. Yeah. Because with a seven, it's never enough. Yeah. You know, they always want more. Their sin is gluttony. Mm. And not always the way we think of it as far as food. More food. Yeah. It's just more, more anything. More anything. Materialistic. Yeah, because trying to, uh, Cassie and Brent, some friends of ours, all of us who are in here know them with the hub, and he's a very healthy one, and she's a very healthy seven. But not too long ago, we were talking about planning a trip, and Brent, as the one, was wanting to plan out the rest of 2021. And Cassie's like, what do you mean we're planning out the rest of 2021, man? This is like, she doesn't want to have to think that far in advance because it then ruins if, the fun. Yes. If I make plans, <laughs> right. I have to do it. You know, I have to follow through and I tell people, you know, ones, I, you know, guys, everybody has probably seen Rocky at some point, <clears throat> mm-hmm. you know, trying to get a catch a seven is like Rocky trying to chase the chicken. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just all over the place, you know, and you're trying to get it. And man, all that chicken wants to do is be let back down right. and run around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think one of the and really unhealthy sevens, one of the things that's frustrating is like they're the silver lining people. Yes. So like you're like, hey, how's your day? You know, or what's going on with this? Or they, you know, have a miscarriage or they have whatever. And like, well, you know, God's just going to make good out of it. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be yeah. great. And, yeah. you know, it's it's fine. And it's like. So I think ones, especially, but some of the numbers have a hard time connecting because it's like, it's, it feels inauthentic. Yep. You know, yeah. it's like, I don't know anything about what you struggle with because nothing's a struggle because everything's a party and right. fun. And, mm-hmm. and I think sevens and threes are similar in that, mm-hmm. you know, facade aspect. Yeah. But my sister-in-law is a seven and she's my favorite person on the planet Earth, which is very interesting because yeah. most sevens really disrupt my structure. <laughs> Yes. And so um, I get really stressed out around them, but there's, I, I don't know, I guess maybe I feel so safe and comfortable with her. Mm-hmm. She can get me to do anything. Right. So that's the strength, right? Which I, mean, yeah. I, I guess because she's like that safe, comforting person, other people are trying to get me to do something and I'm like, I don't know you. Yeah. What are you trying to get me to do? But since she's my sister-in-law, she can, you know, really be like, come on, loosen up a little bit and like bring out a completely different side of me that is not normal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that about her because that's the number I go to in health. And so she really pulls me towards that um, healthy aspect where I don't always have to be 
yeah. put together, yeah, structured, awesome. sitting still. Yeah, that's beautiful. Stuff. Yeah. That being my less dominant wing, you know, the sevens of my life that they challenge me because they get me away from my eight with my nine wing. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like, come on, let's, let's go do putt-putt or let's go to a restaurant on a Friday night. And, you know, there's eight million people there. And I, that's the last thing I want to do. <laughs> You know, right. the thought of going to, you know, Chili's on a Friday night is my hell. You know, I don't want to do that. <laughs> and my sevens are like, come on, let's go. You know, it's constantly, you know, what's next? Mm-hmm. You know, if you take uh, a seven to go play putt-putt, you know, on an 18-hole putt-putt course on hole number two, they seem sad because all they can think about is what are we doing after putt-putt? Yeah. yeah. And it drives my wife crazy because Drew, he's that way. You know, he's just, what's next? Where are we going? What are we doing? Right. So being content in the moment's hard. Yep. Yes, there. It is. And then uh, good old number eight. There we go. You know, is the the challenger. Um, I mean, you've talked about it most of the podcast already, but let's keep going. Yes. Let's go. (laughs) So (laughs) basic fear of being harmed or controlled by others. Mm -hmm. Uh, Childhood message. It's not okay to be vulnerable or to trust anyone. Basic desire is to protect oneself. Um, deterioration is constant fighting uh, need to be against uh, and the message you need to hear is you will not be betrayed Uh, so yeah all of those I can say as an 8 are so true Um, I spent let's see I'm 37 now I started going to counseling at 34 years old so for the first 34 years I was a very unhealthy 8 I lacked empathy compassion you know it was kind of like if something happens is like suck it up life happens that's just the way it's going to be um and uh my wife being a two you know there's a lot of time i was very harsh um you know some of the things that i would say and uh i heard this from a pastor a while back and i don't even have to read the notes to remember it's uh and as an eight if you're an eight listening to this and you've never heard it write it down get it tattooed on your arm it's very important everything that is said needs to be true but everything that is true doesn't need to be said. Yeah. And as an eight, I was, I wore uh, brutal honesty, like a badge of honor, you know, like what I said was true, but the way in which I said it was so hurtful. Yeah. Um, we talked about this the other day. We we're talking about Jesus speaking in grace and truth at the same time, every mm-hmm. time. Yeah. You know that it wasn't, it, we oscillate between the two in our culture of like eight type personalities. Like, well, I said the truth. Yep. Doesn't matter how they felt. I mean, a four could be that way. Doesn't matter how they felt, you know. Mm-hmm. But the reality is the balance of all this is like, well, hold on, you got to be graceful too and maybe take the other person's experience yeah. into consideration. Think about who they are. Sure. And, you know, the worst thing you can do with an eight is to control them. Not unlike a seven. Because eights don't have to be in control. They just don't want to be controlled. <laughs> You know, and I'm, I'm that way, you know, I don't have to lead, but I don't want to be micromanaged. Yeah. Um, that's something that, uh, you do a wonderful job at not doing, uh, is micromanaging. You address the, the issues that, that come up and need to, but, uh, and it all defaults back to the level of health of that number. Yeah. Um, but eights can be very, very harsh. Um, if they say they're going to do it a certain way. They're going to do it that way, even if everyone tells them not to. Once they make their mind up, it is very difficult to change an unhealthy eight's mind. Mm-hmm. Um, the nine, base, that's the peacemaker. Um, uh, inside an eight, I don't think we have any other eight counselors, and I don't believe we have any five, six, or sevens. Uh, but back to nine, 
the peacemaker, the fear of loss of connection. Uh, no, uh, Olivia is an eight in Rustin. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. You know, after watching that podcast, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. She's yeah. super healthy too. Uh, I think Mary Kate's a two, wing three. Yeah. And I think Rachel, our dietitian, I can't think what she is off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. And then so nines, the basic fear is that loss of connection. Uh, the childhood message is not okay to assert yourself. Basic desires to be at peace. Uh, and the message needed to hear is your presence matters. Um, Ross, uh, who was actually my counselor for about 18 months, is a nine. Uh, nines have the ability to see things from everyone's perspective uh, when they're healthy. I mean, they can kind of step back. Um, you know, you always talk about like not talking in the hallway mm-hmm. and now I just know it. why I can yeah, hear it. Exactly. Uh, I know, I know who it was, uh, <laughs> but being able to nines are very unique in their ability to relate to everybody. Um, especially when they're healthy, when they're unhealthy, they can be very difficult because I don't think there's any number that avoids conflict more oh than an unhealthy nine and twos aren't confrontational either yeah i was gonna say nines and twos can kind of look alike like nines will just stop being your friend if they think there's going to be conflict unhealthy nines yeah so and they they want to keep the peace and yeah i guess that uh, i was going to go well that doesn't make sense because i don't mind conflict but i guess that's because i'm healthier than i used to be because yeah in the past i would avoid it like the plague and not want anybody to feel bad never tell anybody how i feel or ask for what i need Mm -hmm. and i guess now i'm like Oh, no, we're talking about this, like, immediately. Right, yeah. and I wing heavy on my mind, and I think that's just yeah. childhood Absolutely. What trauma. did you say that day about texting, me texting you? <laughs> we're talking about Enneagram. Oh, whenever you had, uh I'm trying to think, when we talked about rescheduling it and we didn't know? No, no, I'm talking about, like, you were saying winging. Like, uh, you're like, I know I'm going to get a text from Clint when... Oh, yes, if ever I, if I just text him, hey, can we talk? <laughs> Yeah. Like if, oh, you, if call you, you want Clint to reach out to you, just text him. Hey, can we talk? You're going to get it because my wife's that way. She's a two. So if you text her and say that it will, and, and then you don't immediately talk to her, she's picking up the phone to call you. Yeah. She wants to know what's going on. It's similar with the nine, right? I mean, yes. Ross and I talk about that all the time. We're like, Hey, if we have a meeting, tell me what the meeting's about, you know, and say, Hey, this is, there's not a problem. We're just meeting about this. Yep. Yeah. Can we do that? Don't mm-hmm. say, Hey, I need to talk to you on Friday. Here's a meeting at nine o'clock. See you then. Yep. Cause from Monday to Friday, we're going to be freaking out all <laughs> week long. <laughs> yes. And I, I know that drives her nuts. Uh, and, and then the other twos in my life, like, what do we need to talk about? And then if you just give her, she's, she's a lot healthier now, just the subject. What does it I mean? yeah. pertain to? Yeah. Uh, cause yeah, nines can be that way, but nines, you know, they don't worry so much like uh, Ross, for instance, if you were to text Ross or I was and say, hey, can we talk? And he sees that message. He's going to finish his game of Candy Crush right. before he actually does it. He cares, but a two is going to stop whatever they're doing and want to get this thing resolved. Yeah. yeah. I love nines. Oh, man. I mean, they're, they really are like. All my, I think all my closest friends are nines. I don't yeah. know. I think it has to be something juxtaposition of like how structured and like how everything has to be for me in my brain. And they're so chill. They can just be like, yeah, we can do that. Like whenever you want. And because they're not like a seven in the way that like they're like, hard do 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 like yeah, we can do whenever we want. And then we can do this and then we can do this. They're just more like relaxed about it. Yeah, you get to control it. 
All yeah, you're like, that's why it's a juxtaposition. You're like, oh, you don't, you truly don't care. So yeah, I can I'm just like, decide for oh, us. Oh, you don't care. So that's, that's awesome news for me. Exactly. So I, I love being around nuns because so I'm true. like, this is great. Uh, you don't care at all. Yeah. This like, is amazing. Truthfully. Yeah. yeah. All of your friends that show up to the party late. Most of them are probably nines. Oh, yeah. Like I, Sarah, 100%. you know, who works up in the front. Uh, she's wonderful. Uh, one of Natalie's good friends. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's a nine and she just moves at her own pace. I don't even know why she owns a watch and not just her. Most nines, like there's not that sense of urgency. No, they are just cruising at their own. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and Sarah's now my personal assistant. And so, you know, she's also the person who's not going to tell you if there's a problem. Yeah. Right. And she's grown in that with me. I mean, she trusts me, so she tells me all the time. But, um, yeah, it's like, I'm like, right, is everything going okay? Yeah, it's great. Yeah. It's like, your face doesn't look great. Oh, well, this happened and this client was mad. And I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. well, then it's not great. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. But she's really healthy, too. She does a great job. She does. Yeah. Because she's a 9-1, right? Mm. She says that she's winged eight more lately. Oh, but oh, interesting. Um. I think that was like last year because there was a lot of injustice stuff going on. And so she felt more like inclined to say something than she typically would. Yeah. But I think she's a, I would, I would say she's a nine wing one probably. Yeah. All right. Um, we got like 20 minutes to get into wings and the rest of it. So let's do it. Okay. Yeah. So we've got wings, triads, lines. Yeah. So we'll start with wings. wings. So your wings never change. They're always the same number. So, uh, me is an eight. Uh, I have a nine wing and a seven wing. So it's and the numbers above and below. The numbers right. above and below, always. And then if you're a nine, because there's not ten, you're either a wing eight or a wing one. Mm-hmm. And the importance of the wings is for growth, for the Enneagram to be effective, you want to start with looking at what your neighbors will tell you, what the wings tell you. So as an eight wing nine, um, I tend to shy away from the seven but the seven usually has good advice for me if I will look at it. And uh, Dr. Tom, the guy who taught me, talked about, you know, have you ever seen an airplane with one wing? Well, no, like they ha- it, it requires two wings to fly and each wing has to, is of equal importance. Yeah. So leaning on your dominant wing, which most of us do, um, is going to have your airplane flying sideways. Mm. So to get your airplane back level, you need to embrace and understand your less dominant wing. Mm-hmm. That's good. And it's good to know, you know, a, an example of that, you know, I've, I've been waiting to tell this story. Go ahead. Um, so Clint is a two wing three. So that means his less dominant wing is his one. So we all park, uh, you know, close to each other back here. And uh, I noticed like for a few days in a row, like there was trash bags in the back of his truck, which now I know were carpet, if I remember correctly. Yes. But that wasn't what bothered me. It was the Johnny Johnny's pizza box that rode back there for the better part of a week <laughs> when we have a dumpster, you know, a hundred feet from our front door. <laughs> or a trash can right yes. inside the door. And it every time I would walk by it, it was helping me get healthy because I realized this is not my truck. I don't need to worry about it. If he wants eight hundred pizza boxes back here, it's okay because it's his truck. And I remember telling you that story. Uh me, you and Kelsey were laughing and then you talked about uh, when you moved to California, oh uh, yeah, tell that a little bit and how you str- shot away from that less dominant wing and how embracing it changes things for you. Yeah, no, I mean, I, when we moved to California, 
I was in grad school, it was just me by myself. And um, I mean, there's a lot of trauma in that, but the reality was is that I had all these boxes of my books and my clothes and all this stuff, and, and I just kept them in boxes. Like, I, I felt like, well, I'm not going to be here but two years. Like, why unpack all this stuff? Like, and I never got around to it. I was too busy being social and taking care of people and learning about therapy and figuring out how to. Pe- I was like, that's a waste of time. It's inefficient. I'm not going to, you know, I can live out of this. And it wasn't bothering anybody else. Mm-hmm. So, but again, that wasn't taking care of me. You know, the one allows me to be authentic to myself and go, no, like, dude, it's actually easier when you have stuff out of boxes. Mm-hmm. Take the time to do it. Mm-hmm. But I was too concerned about being at every meeting and being at every class. And, and I'm like, and, and, you know, those sort of things. So, same thing with the pizza box. Like I was too busy, like getting to work. I didn't even see the pizza box. Cause I think JC like threw it back there with the bags. Cause yeah. I put the carpet in there and, uh, and I never put trash in my truck. She's always putting cardboard for me to take through recycling. So that's what happened is that she dropped the pizza box back in there. And then because I never touched the carpet bags, yeah. I never looked back there, you know, cause mm-hmm. I'm not very anal. So I'm not like checking my truck out every day and making sure it's sparkly shine. I don't take it through the car wash twice. Like some people in this room. Yes. Um, yes, I have been known to do that. (laughs) So anyway, so, uh, so yeah, but what I've learned being a business owner and being, you know, who I'm having to become, I guess is we, you know, being more detail oriented, having structure actually makes me thrive even more. So, Mm -hmm. you know, putting the structures in place in the business and policies and a manual and, you know, all the things we've done the last couple of years, and expectations, it actually makes everybody else thrive. Because I would come in probably two, three years ago and say, hey, guys, I need this. But if you don't want to do it, it's fine. Mm-hmm. And then nobody would do it. Yeah. And now I'm like, hey, I need this. Mm-hmm. And then you can come to me afterwards and say, hey, I don't really feel comfortable with that. And I'm like, okay, cool, let's renegotiate. Mm-hmm. But my, when I was more unhealthy, my initial reaction would be like, I wanted you to do this, but I also want to take care of you at the same time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's important to know both, you know, embrace both of your wings. Because again, they never change, but leaning into the less dominant one, which for me is a seven, you know, if I'm not at work or at church or at one of my kids' ball games, I want to be at home. Mm-hmm. That's my, that's my favorite place to be. But the seven says, Hey, like maybe you should go do this, like break up the monotony, you know, cause that's not fun when dad only wants to go home mm-hmm. and the kids are like, can we go see a movie? Especially with my son being a seven. Uh, so yeah, those are wings. And then Natalie, you want to talk about lines a little bit? Should I say what everybody's lines are? No, nah, maybe just as a one, then Clint can talk about. Okay. We can yeah. talk about his so as a two. And a... Lines are just the lines of stress and growth. So oh, yeah. every number has a growth number and a stress number, which I kind of talked about. As a one, I go to a four whenever I'm acting a little unhealthy. I go to a seven whenever I'm being a little more healthy. Mm. So. Um, What's a two within, go to? A two goes to an eight and unhealth. Yeah, unhealth, I know that. Yeah, yeah. what's the healthy one? And then one? a four. four. Oh, okay. Two. Yeah, that's health. true because I really don't care what people think at this point. You know, right. to, I mean, I feel the tension of caring, mm-hmm. but in the last year or two, like with the, with having to do this podcast and all those kind of things, it's like you can't. Right. I mean, if you go read comments and stress out about what everybody thinks about it, like mm-hmm. I'm going to be a mess. So, yeah, yeah, yeah that makes sense. Then one of my favorite things that I think you might have said to me is that whatever your healthy number is, like you will be a better, I will be a better seven than any seven will ever be. Yeah, I like because that. Because yeah. I'm the healthiest part of the seven. That's good. And um, when a seven is healthy, they're going to a different number. So They're going to a one. I think they go, no, they go to a five then. 
Oh, healthy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They yeah. go to a five stress, and health, to stress and one. So you usually like that's co- a, That's so funny. Yeah, so yeah. you co-partner usually. Whatever you go to in health, they go to you in stress. Mm. Which is funny whenever you're like a couple and you have counter... Like you grow to them and they sink to you. Let me tell this story. So JC, I've been talking about the Enneagram for like five years and she's like, I'm like, you need to take, you know, take the test. She's like, blah, blah, I'm not doing that. And, uh, and so one night she's like, I'm going to take it. And so I'm sitting in the living room and she's at the table and I can see like her eyes over the computer, you know, I'm like, you don't have to take it, babe. You're a one, you know? And she's like, Oh, I'm taking it, you know? And uh, and I'm like, a one would say that, you know, anyway, and she gets done and I see her look up. And she's like, I'm a one. I'm like, yeah, I know you are. Right. Oh, man. So, so funny. Um, but reading the Enneagram Institute thing about couples, mm-hmm. right, is Super. really awesome. But yes. JC was like, why are we married? Like when we were reading ones and twos, like in their unhealthy state, you know? Yes. It's right. a dumpster fire. I think fire. for, it, which is surprising to me, but they say that a one should be with a one or a three. And mm-hmm. same with a three. A three should be with a three or a one because they're so go 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 and it's hard for you to be with yeah someone who's not like that but then at the same time it can be healthy for you to be with someone yeah. who's not like that so. that's where i would divorce from the whole thing is when you start saying who should be with who and how yeah. somebody should be i'd be like hold on god does all kinds of things to sharpen right. you and prune yeah. you and refine but i have you. noticed like typically couples do happen to partner up in the way that like obviously there's people who don't but yeah I know a lot of seven and one couples, mm-hmm. and I know a lot of threes and sixes. Mm-hmm. Um, well, opposites attract for sure. Right, so yeah. you do see that um, as far as like a majority standpoint, but it's not like you cannot marry me if you're not a six mm-hmm. type type of thing. And the importance of lines. Just one example is a good friend of mine. Um, he is a seven through and through, but he was in a very long season of stress, and he tested as a one. Uh, his counselor thought he was a one at, uh, for the majority of their time. I was like, before I knew about the Enneagram, I was like, yeah, he's a one. But once I got to know more about it, he was, he looked like a one because of the season in life he was in. Uh, he wasn't able to be himself. He was being controlled. He was, uh, you know, allowing things to not let him be his full, you know, seven self. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for me uh, as an eight, uh, in stress, I go to five, you know, and I'll withdraw, you know, and my seven friend, Ashley, uh, if I go a few days without texting her, he'll, she'll text me and say, why are you going five on me? Mm-hmm. And I want to slap her through the phone because she's so <laughs> right. I'm like, okay, you're right. I shouldn't. And then in health, I go to a two and talking about partners kind of linking up, you know, my wife is a two and God has used her to teach me and show me how to have empathy and compassion and serve others. Because when I go to a two, I bring my eight boundaries with me because I don't have a problem saying no. Mm-hmm. So that's why understanding it's called the, the it's their stress or heart point integration, disintegration, or the high and low point mm-hmm. of understanding what. So for you, understanding the high low of a two, which is going to be a four on the high end and a eight on the low end. So it's helpful yeah. to know that. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I can tell, you know, it's usually when I've been like graceful, 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 patient, 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 patient. And then I, I don't have enough. And then I'm like, we're done. Come you know? on, just say it. Just do it. Just say it. What? No. Oh, that's what when I want to When you go do. to an eight, Oh, yes. yeah, yeah. Yeah, like when you, like you've been great, you've been patient, you've been gracious. And then 
finally you just have to like yeah my brain's like don't filter anything yes it's coming out yeah <laughs> yep mm -hmm. yeah michelle we all we, we identify it now like it's okay in our house say hey, you're going to an eight right now because uh -huh. you know, she'll go real quick yeah mm -hmm. yeah and then also another one of the things that i think changes up i don't know this is why the enneagram is so it's like so complex i feel like but um Another thing that's my favorite is the social, sexual, or self-preserving. Yes, um, Which is your subtype. So as a one, you could be a social one. You could be a sexual one. You could be a self-preserving one. Mm -hmm. So I am identify with the self-preserving. So I tend to, like, preserve, protect myself mm -hmm. before I go out and become social or do anything like that um and yeah. so everybody can change yeah the subtypes so you flow through those three things you have a dominant one yes. that you are you supposed to try to find balance in those three yes, things? Uh, yes. you are supposed to kind of identify your uh, initial you know one two three and then try and flip it to where you focus more on what your least dominant one is yeah gotcha. so okay. social sexual and what Self-preserving. Self-preservation. Self gotcha. And the new name for the sexuals, because some people find the, that where it's the one-to-one, -one, okay. uh, is what they call it now. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. It's sex. Yes. Yeah. But it's... Well, that makes sense. I mean, sure. you want to make it as le it's is less intimacy, intrusive. It's just intimacy, emotional, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's better. But... Yeah. I think intimacy would be a better word, whether it's sexual or, you know, intimacy yeah. in general. That's really hard for people. Sure. I mean, mm -hmm. we work with sex addiction all the time. We say... It's an intimacy disorder. It's not about the actual right. sex. It's about yeah. not knowing how to be intimate. Yeah. And not knowing how to connect. Yeah. And the thing about subtypes and knowing them, that's kind of like the hidden door behind all of it. Because if you don't know the subtype, a lot of people take some online test and right. they walk around thinking that they are this number or that number. And that may not be the case at all. Or they may be a different subtype. Because with all three of the subtypes, with each number... You have a counter type that is like the opposite of the other two. So for an eight, I'm a social eight. I'm the counter type. So I've had people think that I was a, a straight up nine or a straight up two because I don't have the same. Uh, I don't come across self-preservation. Yes, of self-preservation or one to one. Yeah. So it's and for people, you know, getting started, if you've never heard of the Enneagram, uh, or don't really know, you know, it's a lot of information in this time we spent. Like, just start by finding your number and then looking into your wings. Just start there because yeah. as you get to know that part, you will progress into understanding your lines and then your subtypes because uh, you can't take it, all the information on at once unless you're a five. Right. And you're going to want to know it all. Because <laughs> mm -hmm. I laugh when, like, I do have one test that I send out that is a pretty accurate online because there's so many out there. Please don't ever pay for a test. Like there's good free ones. Uh, Truity is a good one. Mm -hmm. uh, but at the end of taking a test, uh, I had a client that they did not think they were a five. And I told him, I was like, listen, when you get done with the free test, it's going to ask you if you want to pay for a more detailed report. Please don't do that. Save your money. So they come in the next week. Yep. I'm a five. I paid for the detailed report. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. why? You know, like you could have saved 10 bucks. <laughs> Investigator, baby. But they yeah. wanted to know all the information. Yeah. But I feel like the su the subtype was like the very last thing I found out about yeah. the Enneagram. It was like. Well, why would you two, start with that if you don't even know the first Like two sure. years into it. And then someone was like, have you heard about the subtypes? And I was like, no, what are the subtypes? Mm -hmm. And so then I got into a whole thing about that. And then um, 
think the last thing would be triads is the only thing that splits us up. So um, I think eight, nine, and one are the gut triads. So mm -hmm. they're very instinctual people. Um, and then there's two, three, four are the heart yep, the feeling heart. Yes. So they do things based off of feelings and then five six seven i don't know what they're the head triad head yes mm. so they think think yeah. think and that's why like sixes can be so hard to work with because on either side of them they, they can't get out of their head mm -hmm. both of their wings like all three like them and their wings are all in the head triad yes you know and it it makes it makes it difficult well yeah. i would say i mean for maybe an eight, right? I mean, I guess that's kind of the, what we're talking about is like everything's going to be difficult for whoever you are in your things because yeah. some people can't deal with people who are emotional, yep. right? So people right. who are strong feelers, th you know, two, threes, fours, people are like, they're the worst because they feel everything and then you got to deal with that when maybe a nine or eight wants to just directly say it and nobody be upset or, you know, or, you know get over it or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Is that accurate? It is, but like... Because like a two, for instance, you, your two, three are in the heart triad, mm -hmm. but your wing one, you have some of the head triad in you. No, mm -hmm. gut. Gut triad. Yes, yeah. that's what I meant. So, but that's what I'm saying is like one of the wings from, I think almost all of the other numbers, because it's an eight, at eight, nine, I'm in the gut, but I have a seven that's telling me that I need to, to feel. Oh, so you got some balance. Yeah. So basically if you're six, a nine three or six who would have no balance because either way they wing and they still are in their Head. triad yes uh, that makes sense so they're mm -hmm. kind of it's more difficult oh okay okay out. yeah yeah or in their heart or in their gut so yes. yeah so there's a number in all three of the triads that kind of feels stuck yeah, yeah. huh and then with three sixes and nines you know a three being married to six or any of those when you're going to your health point your health point is your partner's stress point. Right. So that's why, you know, threes and sixes, uh, or again, any number when they're unhealthy, I know I've said that a bunch, but those are the ones that are tied together uh, in a way in which I think they're the only three that are set up that yeah, way. Yeah, three, six, and nine. Yeah. Uh, let's end with uh, what geneogram type, not geneogram, enneagram, I was going to do a geneogram on us. Enneagram type is Jesus. Oh, my goodness. Man. Let me run through these real quick. All, All right. right. Ones. I'm going to give a few names because uh, we got a few minutes. Paul, uh, the older brother, the prodigal son. Jerry Seinfeld, Mary Poppins. A two, John, Snow White, Cinderella, Princess Diana. Threes, Jacob uh, from the Bible, Oprah Winfrey, Lightning McQueen, Madonna. Fours, Joseph uh, from the Bible, Amy Winehouse, Prince, Johnny Depp, Eeyore. Uh, fives are Thomas. Uh, from uh, Doubting Thomas, uh, then Bill Gates, Mark Zuckerberg, Ross from Friends is a five. Six is Peter uh, from the Bible, and Ellen DeGeneres, Tom Hanks, uh, Frodo Baggins for all you Lord of the Rings fans, Piglet, Chandler Bing is a six. Sevens, King Solomon, um, Robin Williams, Jim Carrey, Peter Pan, Aladdin, Tigger. Uh, eight, uh, Samson uh, from the Bible. Muhammad Ali, Dr. Phil, Tony Soprano, Princess Jasmine, and nine uh, is Jonah. And then some real-life people are Bill Murray, uh, and Jonah was a real-life person, I know that. Uh, Barack Obama, Abraham Lincoln, Winnie the Pooh, and then uh, Toe Mater 
Uh, Mater is <laughs> another real life person. Yes, yeah, right? another real life uh, person. But uh, your question was, what type was Jesus? Um, and Dr. Ian Cron, I think he's a doctor, either way, Ian Cron, who wrote The Road Back to You, wonderful book, says Jesus was all types because he can identify with everybody, no matter what type you are, no matter what subtype you are. Our goal is to be like Jesus as Christians, so we have to do the same. I can't live in my eight box. I have to view people the way that Jesus does and understand that my way is not always the right way. Uh, I have to, and Jesus' way is always the right way, but as I'm learning to be more like him, I need to look at every other number and have compassion and understanding for them and realize that they're not in the place that I've, I'm in. They may not have been to therapy uh, because that Jesus can relate to every human. He knows what our struggles are. So mm -hmm. uh, Jesus was right in the center of the Enneagram. He's all of it. That's awesome. Natalie, any closing thoughts for you? Nope. No, all right. I appreciate you guys coming on. This was awesome. I mean, we could have done it for a long time, but I think it, I think it's going to be helpful. And if you're out there and you're, um, you know, in need of some therapy, uh, Andy and Natalie are awesome, and we have other people who are on our staff who can help you out. Uh, Andy's an Enneagram coach, and I mean, most of us here know enough to to muddle through it. Um, so if you are interested in, you know, finding out your type, give us an email or call, or if you want somebody, Andy, to come in and, and talk to your staff, um, talk to your church help figure out, you know, we love connecting with community members and helping people um, know each other better so we can have better discipleship and intimacy and relationships so that we can keep uh, making our society and our world a better place mm -hmm. in the name of Jesus. So yeah, awesome. thank you guys so much. Um, like and subscribe to the podcast. Thank you as always for listening. We're going to have um, another one this Friday. So we'll launch a two or three in the next week. Um, and just if you're listening to this now, Dr. Caroline Leaf will be on the podcast. Um, I think next week. Is that right? Yeah, next week. Um, so best-selling author, New York Times bestseller, psych psychologist. So um, just giving you guys a heads up that that'll be a good one to listen to. So anyway, God bless you and have a good week. <laughs>